good to see you. Summer is here. Kids have finished school. Teachers are running wild. Parents crying. Um, couple of things uh, that are going on this summer that you need to be aware of. First one is our summer camp uh, that's running 22nd to the 26th of July. What can you do? Um, you can pray. You can certainly pray for us um, and the kids that come. Uh, a lot of them are unchurched from unchurched families, so they've never heard about Jesus and it gives us a wonderful opportunity to, to talk with them. And they go home singing songs and praises uh, about Jesus. And uh, so please pray for that. Uh, if you find yourself at a loose end during that week and you think, you know what, I'd really like to help out, then come. Come along or preferably let me know beforehand or let Kristen know beforehand Always good to have more teachers, always good to have volunteers, there's always things to do. The Sunday before, we're going to be setting up, so we might need your help then. The Friday evening at the end of camp, we need people to help us tear down. So uh, just to let you know about that, uh, be praying, be thinking how you can help in that. More about that as the weeks go on. Second thing that happens in uh, the summer at City View is our postcard series where um, you get an opportunity to share a spiritual postcard. Basically, share with us what God has been doing in your life. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly over the last year, over the last months, over the last week, over the last few days, whatever. Um, it's great to share what God has done and is doing through us. And so we give you an opportunity during August to come and share on a Sunday morning what God is doing. It's not a sermon. You don't have to prepare a sermon. It's just sharing uh, with us. So if there's something on your heart, on your mind, you think, you know what, I really, God wants me to share that. Let me know. Especially if you've not shared previously. All right. So uh, come and see me before I come and see you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so it's Canada Day weekend. And I, you know I love signs outside coffee shops. Well, I saw this one on Friday that I liked and I wanted to share. It says, one day Canada will take over the world. Then you'll all be sorry. <laughs> well, that's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's just so Canadian. It reminded me of a quote that's inscribed on the Statue of Liberty. You know, the Statue of Liberty stands in New York Harbor at the very entrance to the United States of America. It's a quote from the poet Emma Lazarus. And it's meant to symbolize the very heartbeat of the nation of America. It's this. Give me your tired your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. It made me think about what's happening on, on the southern border of the United States at the moment. And it made me realize 
that oftentimes we humans fail and fall very short in our desire to show compassion to those in need. That's very challenging. But I want to put an inscription somewhere on this City View building or maybe a new City View building in the future for those to see as they walk in on a Sunday morning or as they walk by. And it's a quote from Jesus. And it's this quote. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As you walk through, the, through those doors this morning, who welcomed you? Who was on welcome today? Arlene. Arlene welcomed you. Do you know what? Standing next to Arlene was Jesus. And Jesus was saying, welcome, as you walk through those doors. He said, welcome to those of you who are tired. Welcome to those who are poor in spirit. Welcome to those who are weary. Welcome to those who need a place to breathe. Welcome to those whose souls are burdened. Welcome to those huddled masses that yearn to be free. You're all welcome here because, Jesus says, he will give you rest. When I was a kid, I went to the circus and I remember being fascinated by one particular act in the circus. It was this one. Do you, you've seen this where, um, where the guy or the woman starts to spin plates on a fragile-looking stick, pole. And they start with one, and then another, and then another, and then another, until there's about 20 plates, all spinning. It's quite a sight. But then what happens? One of the plates starts to wobble. And the person sort of runs over here. And, and then he notices the other one starts wobbling. He runs over there and he does that. And he runs over here and he does that. And he's trying to keep all of the plates spinning so that they don't come crashing down. I used to love that. But isn't that a wonderful illustration of life sometimes one plate spinning is fine maybe two but sometimes in life we have so many plates spinning that we feel as though we're rushing from one plate to another keeping them going so that our plates or our lives don't come crashing down Last week and this, we are looking at how we can grow in self-care. How can we grow in taking care of ourselves? Or perhaps more precisely, how can we, along with the prompting and help of our Heavenly Father through His Holy Spirit, look after our well-being? 
our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being. And we discovered that to do this, we need to grasp and understand a four-letter word. This one. Cert. Or those who play Scrabble can turn it into rest. Rest. And last week, we made the startling uh, discovery that God knows what he's doing. He knows that us, his children, need rest. Rest was part of his creation. It wasn't an add-on, not an afterthought. It was the climax to Creation of creation. God ordained a certain rhythm of life for you and me. And it starts with rest. Sabbath rest was the first thing that Adam and Eve experienced. On the sixth day, God created man and woman. And on the seventh day, he created rest. Which means... That the first day on earth, God said to Adam and Eve, you know what? You need a rest. Take a rest. It's a bit like turning up on your first day at work and your boss comes into you and says, you know what? Tomorrow, take the day off. You see, we are created first and foremost to be human beings, not human beings doings. That's the rhythm that God created for our lives. That's how he created us to live. Rest, work, rest, work. And if we lose that rhythm, if we come away from that rhythm, then call BCAA because we're going to break down. And we saw that God created Sabbath rest for us to recharge us physically, to restore us emotionally, and to reconnect us spiritually. So basically, last week, we looked at the why questions. Why God created Sabbath rest. Why it's important for us to get into that rhythm of life that he desires for us. And I know we needed to hear that last week. But I also know that our thoughts were already going to the how questions. Yeah, you know, I get it, Trevor. I get the importance to rest. I get why God created us to rest. But how can I do it? Have you seen my life? Have you seen my to-do list? Have you seen my home life? Have you seen my kids? Do you know what health issues, financial issues, relationship issues I'm dealing with at the moment? Rest. Let me give you another four-letter word, Trevor. I know you wouldn't say that because you're far too polite. But these are valid thoughts. These are valid questions. Because however spiritually righteous we claim to be, 
we still have to deal with real everyday life. And that's why our faith has to make a difference in the normal situations of life. Our faith has to be more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning and hear some nice thoughts or some pithy quotes that are get us through till Monday morning. Following Jesus changes everything. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I... Depends on how much you give to the church, I'll give you that much rest. I will, will give you rest. It is a promise. It's a promise to those of us who are weary, to those of us who are tired, to those of us who are burdened. It's a promise that will lead us into a life where we can find true rest. So here's what I want to do this morning quickly. I want to try to answer the how question. How can I find true rest in the midst of a frantic life? And I want to answer it, answer it in general terms. Some overriding thoughts. And what I want you to do is to take them away and work them into specifics for your life, for your situation. What does that look like in my life? How can I earth God's message for me? For me? How can I take it from my head to my heart down to my feet? How can I live this? Okay? And I think there are three answers that I'm going to suggest to the how question. How can I step into the Sabbath rest God has for me? And the answer is a three-letter word. Sips. TPS. TPS. The first answer to the how question is T. Trust. In order to fully into the enter into the Sabbath rest that God has for us, we first have to learn how to trust him with our lives while we're resting. Let me explain. We looked at the passage last week in Hebrews. And uh, do you remember that passage saying there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests uh, from their works. And then it says, let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. What is the writer talking about here? What's he referring to here? Well, he's referring to a time when God was leading the Israelites out uh, under the leadership of Moses through the wilderness, through the desert of Mount Sinai, into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And God used that time of them wandering in the desert, as he does with us sometimes, to train his people to trust him. Trust him with their lives. And one of the ways that God trained his people to trust him in the wilderness, you, you know the story, was by daily providing them with this honey-flavored wafer called manna. Manna. 
God said, I'm going to provide this manna for you every day. So you don't need to get more than a day's supply. Just get a day's supply and trust that I'll provide you with the manna for tomorrow. <clears throat> but you know the story. Some people went into the desert and as they're looking for manna, they thought they were at Costco. You know, they got their shopping cart and they're piling the manna in more than they need for that one day. And so when they woke up the next morning, they saw that their supply they had picked up the day before was, was rotting. It was filled with maggots. And they're thinking, how on earth? I'm going to take this back to Costco. That shouldn't happen. I'm complaining to God. And God says, well, I told you. Just take what you need for that one day. But they weren't trusting God to provide. And then God said this. This is in Exodus 17. Here's the thing. On the eve of the Sabbath, God says, I want you to take enough for two days' worth of food. And I promise you it won't rot. And miraculously, the manna, the wafers, didn't rot. Why did God say, get two days' worth? Well, because on the second day, the Sabbath day, he wanted his people to rest and not go shopping for manna. But you guessed it, some of the Israelites were anxious about getting more so what they did was they went out on the Sabbath day, even though they had enough, they were looking for more manna. And God just slaps his head and says, I'm fed up with you. Why? When? When will you learn to trust me? When will you learn to trust me to provide? You see, this whole feeding process wasn't just to provide food for the people. It was a way for God to train his people to trust him. So that's what the writer in Hebrews is talking about. So what is that going to do with our rest? And learning how to rest. Because in order to rest, we have to trust that God will provide while we rest. Our provision doesn't ultimately rely on us and our efforts. I was convicted of this a uh, number of years ago about taking time off, to take time for a Sabbath when I was doing my master's degree at, at Regent. Regent College, on Monday mornings, my first two classes were a class of Hebrew and a class of Greek. And you think your Monday morning is bad. <laughs> that was my Monday morning. Now, to put it mildly, I'm not very good at languages. I almost failed my Hebrew, uh, except for a lot, a lot of grace and an awful lot of coffee that I gave to my professor. <laughs> they took pity on me. I remember one time I had in my exam, I had this 
passage of, uh, in Hebrew um, that I had to translate. And I didn't have a clue. And I recognized the word Moses. So I thought, I'm going to, okay, I've got this, Moses and the burning bush. So I translated it almost word for word as though it's Moses and the burning bush. And uh, I thought, that's it. I got it back. And I, I, I got an F. And the professor had written on there, good try, wrong story. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was Moses in the baskets. And, uh, anyway, so that, I digress. But uh, So it was awful. I, I was no good at this. But um, on Monday mornings, generally we would have a quiz or a test that went towards the, the final mark. Uh, but I felt convicted that I needed to spend the Sunday resting and playing with my family. And there were times when Sunday afternoon would come and I had a couple of big exams on Monday, and I would be anxious. I wanted to study, and perhaps I, maybe I snuck into my room and get the textbook out, but the kids would come in and say, Dad, let, Dad let's go to the park. And I said, oh, oh, Hebrew, soccer. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I went to the park. And I learned over time to just trust that God would provide for me on Monday morning. He would give me the answers that I needed. And, you know, I just had to say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you here. I'm going to give you my anxiety. I'm going to give you this opportunity for me to trust you more. And um, it was like me not going out hunting for manna. It was saying, Lord, I know that you're my uh, Jehira, uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. Let me challenge you this morning. And maybe I need to challenge myself again this morning. If you're working and you've got a big presentation coming up, or you've got a deadline and your Sabbath day rolls around, whatever that is, or you know that you need to rest, there's going to be a part of you that wants to work on that project. There's going to be a part of you that's going to want to check your emails. But think, when you get to that moment, that this is an opportunity for you to trust God. Lift up your anxiety to Him and say, you know what, I'm just going to go with this. I'm just going to trust you. And if you're looking at that pile of ironing or that messy lounge or the messy kids and you're tempted just to get it all done but God is calling you to rest, then trust him. Lift up your anxiety and ignore the messiness. Ignore the jobs. You know those jobs that just have to be done that don't actually have to be done because God wants you to rest. Now, that requires faith. Real faith. But in Scripture it says, if you honor God, God will honor you. Honor God and rest and God 
will honor you and provide. Trust. Okay, that's great. I've now got a wonderful excuse to be a lousy employee and a lousy parent. Sorry, boss, my pastor told me to ignore your deadline. Take it up with him. Uh, I've, you've got no clean underwear? Well, tough, because I didn't do any washing because I needed to rest. Take it up with Trevor. No. <laughs> Because in order for you to trust God with these things, you also need to pee. Plan. You need to plan. If I'm going to take a Sabbath, if I feel called by Scripture to do that, to rest, then I'm going to have to plan. For me, with my Greek and Hebrew... I'm going to have to plan and focus more on my studies in the other six days. The writer of Hebrews says, make every effort to enter into Sabbath rest. Make every effort. Rest takes effort in the sense of trusting God, but it also takes some planning. Now, I'm going to throw something out there, and I'm not exactly sure of what the answer is. But, if you are a stay-at-home dad or a mum with young children, or if you're a working parent, working parents with young children, how easy is it to find time to rest? To completely rest. You know, you find it hard to carve out a complete day of rest unless you lock yourself in the loo and you get your child to binge watch Peppa Pig on instant loop. I wouldn't advise that. I've got nothing against Peppa Pig, and I'm sure he's a decent enough hog. But um, I'm not, is it a he? It's a she. Oh, well, there we go. Cross-dressing as well now. Anyway, so, <laughs> but what do you do? What do you do? Well, in danger of sounding very simplistic, you might need to plan ahead. Maybe not plan for a complete day of rest. You know, we need to be realistic here. But maybe plan for a simpler day. Or a day with relatively less work. Sometimes we just have to be realistic rather than legalistic. I remember one parent who tried this out saying to me that for them, and they raised a, a, a couple of young kids, men, that they wouldn't put their kids in any organized sport or activity on one certain day that they decided was this was going to be our rest day. They, they wouldn't do that. Because Sabbath, because uh, it, it was too much rushing around. Also on their chosen day to rest, they would simply make grilled cheese sandwiches for dinner. Or have leftovers. And instead of doing chores around the house, no one did chores. 
They'd go out to the park and just hang out with other families. It just meant them simplifying their day. It was a day that was set aside. It was a day that was different. What would that day of rest or that simpler day look like for you? Maybe it's no grocery shopping or making dinner that day. You get takeout. Oh, it's leftovers. You know, Friday for us, when, uh, when my kids were little and we were growing up, Friday night was always pizza and movie night. Pizza and movie night on a Friday. And we used to have this sofa bed in the lounge and we'd get the sofa bed out and we'd all six of us snuggle into this bed and watch a movie and eat pizza every single Friday night, no matter what. We planned for it. It was in Linda and my diary. If someone said, uh, can you do this on Friday? I said, no, sorry, we're busy. We planned ahead for that night. And, I, and the kids even now talk about our movie and pizza night that we used to have. See, I don't have all the answers. I really don't know your lives. But God's saying make every effort in your own situation to enter into that Sabbath rest. And that means trusting God, and it means planning. And, you know, I mentioned this last week, but if you guys have ways or ideas that you know that as a family you can rest together, and take time together, then, then let me know, email me, text me, or just go onto our Facebook page and just sort of post something on there to help each other. It ain't easy. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, no bank account, no money in my bank account. I've done it with the kids. So it's not easy. So we need to help each other. Okay, so we need to trust and plan, and finally we need to S. We need to surrender. We cannot find rest. We cannot grasp the promise that Jesus makes unless and until we surrender ourselves and our lives to him. We have to come to the point where we realize that we cannot do this thing called life on our own. We cannot on our own find true rest that our bodies and our souls desperately need. Jesus reminds us that rest for the weary and tired and burdened is only found in him. Come to me, Jesus says. Me, not come to this program and you'll have rest. Come to this self-help book and you'll find rest. Come to this yoga class and you'll find rest. Come to this church and you'll find rest. Come to this pastor and find rest. Jesus said, come to me. To me. It's to Jesus and Jesus alone who gives us true rest. It's Jesus who offers to lift our burden. It's Jesus who sets us free. Nobody else can do that but Jesus. He's the supreme burden bearer. Isn't that what the gospel's about? 
the good news of Jesus lifting the burden of sin and guilt and shame from our lives, giving us freedom and rest. It only comes through him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To find true rest, we have to surrender. We have to give up our burdens. We have to give up our lives, our lives of striving and selfishness and pride and independence. And we need to take on, Jesus says, his yoke. A life joined with Jesus, a life in step with Jesus. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is describing a familiar farming scene here. Two oxen, a bit like this, would be harnessed together as they plowed the field. And what happened was that an ill-fitting yoke would cause the oxen to struggle and they would cause them pain and suffering and the yoke would be heavy and burdensome. And that's what many of us carry around as we strive for a better life, as we strive for security, as we strive to make things better. We'll never find rest while we carry that burden, whilst we wear that yoke. And Jesus is saying, come, take off that ill-fitting and painful yoke that you're carrying right now and put on my yoke, which fits so well. And notice he's not saying, you just sit there and I'll plow the field for you on my own. He doesn't say to you and I, don't worry, I'll deal with all your situations, your life, your home life, your work, you just sit there. No, he says he comes alongside us and we plow the field together. We live life together and the yoke, like our burden, becomes lighter and easier. Coming to Jesus, walking with Jesus in your life will ultimately be the only place where you will know rest. Ultimately. True rest. What does that look like practically? Well, maybe you have to surrender your expectations. working so hard, I'm running myself into the ground because, you know, I want the best life for my family, I want the car and the holiday and the nice house, and and for my future, I want this nice pension. I found out recently that a a friend uh, who I knew, really hard worker, really hard worker, had huge expectations for his life and his future life, and he was working towards retirement, and he was going to have this great retirement, drop down dead of a heart attack before he even got there. Maybe some of us need to surrender our expectations. Maybe we need to surrender the expectations we have for our kids. They're running around, get get, get them to piano, dance, baseball, soccer, Come on, come on, go, 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 come on, you've got to do math. Go, 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 go. 
because you want them, of course you do, you want them as well-rounded as possible, you want them to be as uh, uh, intelligent as possible. But are you doing all of this at the expense of your time together? Are you doing all of this without resting as a family? Maybe that's what you need to surrender. Surrender the expectations to your children. Maybe you need to surrender your ambition. Working so hard, I've got to get to that promotion, but your health and your family life is going down the toilet. None of these in, the, in and of themselves are wrong. But maybe you need to surrender them first to Jesus. To put him and his life he has for you first. Maybe you need to give these things up. This long Canada Day weekend, my prayer and my hope is that you and I will find true rest for our bodies and souls. Make every effort, Scripture says. Trust God so that you can rest from what needs to be done. Plan ahead as much as you are able to secure that rest and surrender all of that ill-fitting yoke Give up those things that cause you to strive restlessly and put on the yoke of Jesus. Take on the relationship with Jesus that fits you so well and he might give you rest. He will give you rest. That's a promise.